welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Casper and Movement Watches. We have such exciting news tonight. Uh, we, we had a baby. All all three of us had a baby together. His name is William. He works for Gizmodo uh, because with the, the pedigree that he has, which I mean, with me and Christina and Brianna in there too, like... He's very talented. He grew up very quickly and has been covering the Oculus and Zenimax trial for Gizmodo. Wow. Yeah. 180 pounds. He's great. 170 pounds. I don't know how much you weigh, William. I, 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 I don't wow, just overstate. drop all cu- You're an embarrassing mom. This is why you shouldn't have kids, Christina. Please. This is the Please. reason. Christina is going to be picking you up at the movies in like a, a, a piece of crap, like minivan. With that is a lie. That is a lie. I'm going to be picking you that is a lie because I will pick you up in a great looking car. It'll be a BMW okay. and I will take yeah. you great places and I will buy you and your friends alcohol and weed and it'll be fantastic. Oh, uh, <laughs> sounds not legal. I mean, it's not legal. Correct obviously. answer, William. Yeah. My good yeah, like son. Massachusetts. I've been raised to abide by the law. So. I mean, you have. I have not. I'm saying, I'm saying in states where it's legal. I'm saying in Colorado. <laughs> right. Canada. You're not taking our son to Colorado, Christina. We have to talk about this. You can't just leave the state. Unbelievable. So (laughs) if you've been following this in the news lately, um, ZeniMax entered into a lawsuit with Oculus Rift uh, regarding John Carmack, who used to work for ID, which was under ZeniMax. They alleged that he may have broken an NDA and like, basically used some of Zenimax's intellectual property in the creation of the Oculus Rift. He's now the chief technology officer at Oculus. So there's been a big lawsuit going on. Put that in the show notes. Good job, me. Um, basically, by Zenimax saying, hey, you broke NDAs and solar intellectual property? And that's not cool. Uh, and William, you've been covering this for Gizmodo. So do you want to kind of walk us through this trial and the results, which were just announced today, Wednesday, February 1st? Sure. So um, the, the trial has been going on for a couple of years now. Uh, ZeniMax first filed in about 2014, but the real kind of actual trial was going on throughout January. Um, so uh, this past three weeks, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Palmer Lucky, one of the founders of Oculus, uh, Brendan Areeb, the former CEO of Oculus, um, and, and John Carmack, as you mentioned, have all been in a courtroom in Dallas, Texas, uh, where ZeniMax is based, and uh, have been testifying in this lawsuit. And, and, and the premise is essentially that uh, John Carmack was working on virtual reality technology at ZeniMax. Um, Palmer Lucky started doing some Oculus stuff. Um, and somehow they linked up, and then Palmer wanted to work with ZeniMax, so that required an NDA. And eventually, John Carmack somehow ended up at Oculus as CTO. And yeah. anyway, so I just that when John Carmack came to Oculus, that he stole intellectual property off of his computer and brought it over to Oculus, which is something the jury concluded today. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, so they they violated a lot of these NDAs. They violated copyright infringement. Um, but the jury didn't stick them on actually violating and, and stealing software. Um, ZeniMax asked the jury for $4 billion um, and ended up with $500 million, And it was 
um, for not, you know, the main charges that they brought, but other uh, kind of charges related to the case. Now, no, Facebook paid $2 billion for Oculus, right? Like that, that, that was the acquisition, so, price, am I correct? As, as we learned in the trial, they paid $2 billion to acquire Oculus, the actual company. But in part of that deal, they also gave these kind of sign-in bonuses and retention contracts that were worth essentially another billion dollars, um, a lot of it to Brendan Arib. So, uh, you know, the ZeniMax prosecution tried to make out like it was a $3 billion deal. Um, and at the end of the day, it was. But, but we learned through that trial that it was actually $3 billion instead of $2 billion. So, so depending on how you look at it, you know, if this ruling stands and if it doesn't end up becoming negotiated, you know, um, and 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 settled and, and whatnot, um, Facebook could wind up owing, um, you know, either either a quarter or a sixth, de- depending on um, how you're looking right. at it. Of, of the purchase price, sure. would Absolutely. wind up going to Zenimax. For sure, but I mean, I think Which as you said earlier, it's a, it's a it's a great deal of money, but. Uh, I think, for, you know, with the way Facebook kind of views virtual reality as this 10-year mm-hmm. investment for them, maybe they had braced for a cost like this that might have come as a result of acquiring Oculus. Sure. Um, no, yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a fair statement. That even if they, let's say, and, and it's not even clear if they will have to pay the $500 million that, yep. you know, depending on... on the sell, they the said they would stuff. appeal. Yeah, they'll, they'll appeal, and depending on what happens, you know, they might not wind up paying that much. But even if they paid $500 million, that might be um, a drop in the bucket for them as a company when they consider what would they want to actually invest in the future of right. computing, which they see as VR. Yeah. Do you think so? I know with uh, cases like this, obviously Zenimax asked for a, a wild amount that they you know wanted to get, obviously, but maybe not what they expected to get. Do you think they got what they expected from this case? You know, it, it's hard to say. I mean. If you ask them, they'll tell you they deserve $4 billion. Of course. But to know what they really <laughs> expected uh, is, is kind of hard to say. I was there at the trial. I saw some of the arguments in person. Um, and they had a very convincing argument. And, and I think the jury felt the same way. They had uh, legs to stand on. I was talking to a guy who was there at the trial who had been covering you know, lawsuit, uh, uh, excuse me, copyright-type lawsuits for decades. And he goes... Yeah, it's not really clear cut for Facebook here, and you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then Oculus's argument in turn was that this has come about because Zenimax is jealous of the success of the Oculus Rift. Yeah, yeah. They they often said that you know people at Oculus didn't have the vision or the drive or the or the willingness to invest in virtual reality that Facebook had. And now, because they miss such a great opportunity, they're trying to sue to recoup some money. That's that's mm-hmm. Oculus's argument. Zenimax's, I mean, or, or yeah, Oculus's argument about Zenimax's stance. Right. I mean, Zuckerberg got on the stand and, and went, you know, I had never even heard of Zenimax before this lawsuit. You <laughs> never heard of Bethesda, which that is ridiculous. Quote, yeah, hold up. Yeah, I have to, f- yeah. yeah, no, keep talking, but I have to find that quote because it was such a freaking, yes, okay, like most people in the court, I've never even heard of Zenimax before. Yeah. And, and he like maybe he hasn't heard of Zenimax. I mean, he's heard of their subsidiaries. Of course. Of course. Undoubtedly. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a funny tidbit. From I, the guess, I guess that's why, you know, like, um, part of what we were, we were excited to have you on the show today is I want to hear, like, 
original reporting for me. Like, what was the trial like? Like, what was some of the stuff you saw in person that maybe didn't make it into your article? Who was the sweatiest? Yeah. Yeah. Zuck was definitely the sweatiest. Uh, (laughs) Zuck Sweat. um, Oh, that's a good episode title. That's that's, that's, that's it. Zuckerberg Sweat. Yeah. No, just Zuck Sweat. Sorry, go on. Yes, tell us your original impressions of the trial while I think about Zuckerberg Sweating. The trial was surreal to kind of go into this federal courtroom on the very top floor and uh, kind of walk in and then you see Mark Zuckerberg and Palmer Luckey and John Carmack all sitting next to each other and then eventually Zuckerberg on the stand. It's it's kind of crazy to see. He's never testified in a trial before. Um, I think the I, I wrote a whole story on this, but it, the, the amount of security that Zuckerberg had and the lengths that they went to to make sure that no one took a photograph of him mm. uh, in court was like nothing short of incredible. Um, and it was just, it was, it was bizarre to see, you know, this, this expensive and like fancy lawyer from Zenny Max just kind of be honestly like kind of rude to Mark Zuckerberg. And, uh, it's, it's a way that I don't think Mark Zuckerberg has spoken to often. And <laughs> to just see it happen was kind of stunning. Ooh. Now, did you talk to the Zenny Max attorneys? Yeah. And, and what was kind of their position? I mean, like, where were they, I mean, did, did you get any sense that they were in any way in awe or um, dismissive, um, conversely, of, of, of Facebook in this case? What, what was kind of their demeanor? Oh, when, they when were very, they called it the greatest uh, heist in technology history. <laughs> I mean, they were visceral. Like, they were, you know, that Facebook ripped them off and stole from them. I mean, they, they made, they too very briefly leaned on the argument that, you know, that they were in a Dallas courtroom speaking to a jury of Dallas people and saying, look, look at these Silicon Valley billionaires. They made a really big point of kind of repeatedly saying Silicon Valley billionaires that, that came in and they had no regard. And when Mark Zuckerberg wants something, he wants it and he'll get it. And they stole this technology and they stole John Carmack and John Carmack copied documents and took, you know, they like, they really pointed the finger at them. And for good reason, they're asking for $4 billion. But, but yet, I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys would know better than me, but like Zenimax, I mean, they might have a, they might have a, I guess, a place in, in um, Dallas, but like John Carmack, like it wasn't most of his stuff, isn't he like in Maryland or, or in Bethesda? Like, John Carmack lives in, in, in Dallas, but he did. Okay. Bethesda is, I mean, the company really kind of, is run out of Maryland and Facebook came back and made that point. Like, listen, they've only been in Dallas for, for as long as they've owned ID, which I think might be um, maybe less than a decade, you know? Gotcha. How was Zuckerberg on the stand? You said it was his first trial. Did he, did he seem nervous to you? Was he super prepared? I'm sure he has the money to rehearse. Prepared, ready to go. And I mean, compared to, I mean, he was like robotic on the trial, um, but also would kind of have these pre-canned lines that would make the entire room laugh and kind of make the jury laugh. Um, <laughs> like the one about so Zenimax, like most people, I've never heard of them. Yeah, and he kind of would smile and smirk. And like at one point, the lawyer asked him, you know, did you ever fire John Carmack? Um, because, you know, for, for what he did was wrong. And and Zuck goes well. 
I mean, I'm here because I don't think we did anything wrong. So why would I fire him? <laughs> and, that, and that kind of got some. Wow. Uh, but but it was it was such a the stark contrast in Zuck going up there. I think he was re- prepared for every question, had an answer, would refuse to let the, the the lawyer mischaracterize anything. He would stop him very calmly and go, "Well, I just want to be clear here," and would lay out this pre-canned line about the valuation of Oculus or when someone was acquired, mm-hmm. um, just like completely, you know, like obviously written by a lawyer and studied by Zuck. And then Zuck went on trial. And then right after that, Palmer Lucky went on and it was like combative and tense. And I mean, at one point, a lawyer that was questioning Palmer Lucky went, hold on, you don't have a law degree, do you? <laughs> um yeah, so it was it was insane. I feel like yeah. I would just be like my stomach in knots watching that happen. <laughs> yeah, awesome. talk to, yeah, no, talk to us about the book about the Palmer uh, Lucky situation because you'd uh, for Gizmodo covered for us a long time. We had a, a column called Palmer Watch where after uh, uh, Palmer's uh, ill-fated, uh, shall we say, uh, contributions, which we discussed in our previous episode of Rocket, um, to, uh, to to certain political campaigns, um, he was kind of um, erased. He was disappeared basically right. from the public eye. <laughs> um, and, 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 and Facebook basically wouldn't even like answer questions to you or, or, or to any other media outlets about what his status with the company was. I mean, every week I would ask Facebook if Palmer Lucky stole work there and they wouldn't tell me Um, (laughs) so if you don't know palmer lucky made donations and was involved with a group called nimble america which was a group that got promoted by milo and uh and wanted to like make meme magic real by spreading anti-hillary clinton memes in donald trump some memes in support of donald trump um so after that got revealed by the Daily Beast, Palmer quickly apologized and then disappeared off the map. Uh, like shortly after that, I flew to San Diego to go to the Oculus Developers Conference. Um, and I tried asking John Carmack and Brendan Areve and <laughs> other people where Palmer is. And I mean, in the case of John Carmack, security shoved me away. When I asked Brendan Areve, he was like, sorry, I have to go find my mom. That's yeah. a real quote. Um, and, and so... He wasn't there at the developers conference, and then he stopped making public comments, public statements. Facebook wouldn't say if he worked there. And then about a month ago, Facebook said, well, Palmer's role at Oculus will change, and they still have offered no clarification on what that is. Um, And the first time Palmer made any appearance was when he was dragged into court in Dallas, Texas. Yeesh. I, I have to ask, did you just refer to Milo as Milo? Because that's how I'm going to call him from now on. That's Milo. <laughs> Milo. 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 I love that. I love that. There's someone who knew him who called him Milo once, and then it just got stuck in my head. Yeah. No, I like it. I made a mistake before two uh, turns. So uh, it might have been the same person who gave us that that correct information. Who is spreading this bad info? Now, I've put a a link in the show notes to your day 69 of Palmer Watch. Which is oh, the one that you. came up first when I Googled it. So um, it is good 69. SEO play right there. Well, it is 69, which is Gizmodo's favorite number. Um, yeah, when, all our favorite when, numbers. Uh, when, when Palmer... <laughs> yeah, next to 420, 69 is her favorite number. Um, William, when, when Palmer took the stand, did they ask him any questions about any of that stuff? Or did they pretty much no. try to stick to you? No, they just... The person thing the case. Yeah, they really... For Palmer, they really stuck to the fact... That Palmer had signed an NDA with Zenimax, 
when he wanted to collaborate with John Carmack and, you know, in, in the ways in which he violated that uh, NDA. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the jury found that Palmer Lucky was responsible for $50 million of the damages. Oof. So, yeah. So, wow. Oculus has kind of been a little bit of a headache for Facebook. Yeah, and ZeniMax, uh, my website Polygon reported, may seek additional changes because the court said, hey, yeah, that, that code was ZeniMax's. So ZeniMax is potentially seeking um, changes to or halting production of the Oculus Rift so that the the product can be changed based on the 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 results of this case. And Brianna, you uh, had some things to say about that because this is a to paraphrase you non-trivial thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if this is a core technology and the you know the Oculus is based on, you know, I was critiquing one of the headlines at Polygon that was saying, you know, some code might have to be changed. It's like if you're talking about refactoring like core technology at your product, that is actually say non-trivial. That is a really, really, really big deal. So um, yeah, I think this is going to devastate Oculus development. I mean, how could it not? Like, you know, even though, um, you know, like if you're working with an Oculus headset as a developer, like chances are you're just like, I go through a third party engine, Unreal, and I'm using the drivers that they make for us, like make them talk to each other. So it's not going to affect me personally because developers don't do a lot of optimization on that level. But like they're going to have to go through and like hire new people to completely write this unless they predicted a bad outcome and have been prepping this. But this is this is a huge deal, and this is um like I would probably be buying Vibe stock today if I were like investing in these companies. Yeah, yeah. Your suspicions about it, them predicting this, I think, might be true um, hmm. as. Zuckerberg made a point, and, and I think Areed made a point too when they were on the stand that, you know, whatever technology they had at, at the time when this lawsuit was filed in 2014, they don't use any of that anymore, and they, you know, kind of completely rewritten everything. So oh. the current the current software seems to be, you know, entirely baked and created at Facebook and, and improved. But I, but I think at the time, the software they were using in 2014, at least if you look at this trial, might have involved ZeniMax's software. Ooh. All right. What, what do you think, Jen? Be, before, before we let you go, what do you think the chances are, you know, based on people you've talked to, because I know you've talked to lawyers, that they wind up settling this, you know, with for, for, for under $500 million? Like, what, what do you think? the chance? Do, do you think that there's a good I mean, chance I, that that I, will wind up happening? The only chance I think that ZeniMax gets less than five hundred million dollars is if Facebook overturns this verdict on appeal. Um, I don't. I don't think ZeniMax is intent to settle, and I think you know they're extremely happy with the five hundred million. Um, so unless it gets overturned, I think ZeniMax will get that cash. Yeesh. Well, we'll probably be coming back to this again, depending on um, what happens, because they are. Uh, oh my God, the word just completely escaped my brain protesting the result but protest is not the word appealing appealing, Appeal. appealing the word you literally appealing. just said so they are appealing and we'll see but it's already kind of a a non-promising outcome for them based on these results thank you so much william for coming on and telling us Thanks your first me. person zuck sweat impressions yeah yeah <laughs>
Yay. Thank you, William. Good luck with your career. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Carry on being a beautiful baby boy. Uh, if you guys know anything <laughs> about the Oculus uh, trial or, or anything about uh, Palmer or Lucky or anyone else, you can you can email William at william.turton at gizmodo.com. I'll just go ahead and throw that out at him right now. Oh, heck He's yeah. And his Twitter is at William Turton, T-U-R-T-O-N. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Casper, a company that's focused on sleep. And to that end, Casper has created one perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers eliminating commission-driven inflated prices in those stores that no one wants to go to. Let me tell you a story. I don't just sleep on my mattress. No, I do a number of delightful things on my mattress. Like drink coffee and wine. Tonight, I almost spilled a glass of wine on my mattress, and it was the single most terrifying moment of my entire day. My day living in the fraught city of New York. But I I stopped it. And again, when I spill something on my mattress, it's not the mattress's fault. Because many, many a time, I have left a glass of a liquid sitting on the mattress, gotten up, sat down again, and it doesn't fall over. Because the mattress itself is just so, it's soft and yet sturdy, and it does not communicate, like, horrible bouncy sensations all over the mattress. And as you can guess from that story, yeah, the problem is the fact that I leave cups of liquid sitting on my mattress. I should really stop doing that because eventually I'm going to hit them with my arms. And then that's when disasters happen. But anyway, tonight disaster was averted. So my Casper mattress remains unsullied, perfect, pure and virginal in its almost original condition because I did spill a cup of coffee on it once. Their award-winning mattress is developed in-house. It's sleek. It is, as I said, non-fragile. And it's delivered in an impossibly small box. Yes, a box that is just shipped to your house and your mattress is rolled up like a like a piece of dough inside it. And then it's vacuum-packed and then you open the box and the mattress springs out. It's got no springs, actually, but it springs out nonetheless uh, into a full or a twin or a queen or a king-size mattress. And you're like, what? So in addition to mattresses, Casper also now has pillows and soft, breathable sheets, which I want. And they have dog beds in case you want to spoil the pooch. Uh, I love this mattress. I've been sleeping on it for, God, I, I must have gotten it this summer because I remember being really sweaty when I opened the box. Um, and then I lay on the mattress and I felt like it was, th- like I was having a moment, like a chorus of angels came down from on high. Uh, the mattress is made of supportive memory foam, so it has just the right sink and just the right bounce. And it's breathable, which helps you regulate your temperature through the night, which is probably why I felt so good when I lay on it when I was all sweaty. These mattresses are at great prices, and they're designed, developed, and assembled in America. Heck yes. If you buy a Casper mattress, you can try it out for 100 nights at your home. And if you don't like it, why? You can send it back. Actually, they'll pick it up. You don't even have to send anything. You don't even go to the post office. They'll pick it up. They'll pick it up. And they'll refund you all your stuff. Uh, So that's freaking awesome. It's basically a a wonderful risk-free investment for you. Try a soft mattress that you receive in a box and sleep better in the night. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rocket and using offer code ROCKET. Thank you so much, Casper, 
for sponsoring Rocket and Relay FM. So we've talked a lot on this show over the last uh, few months or so about the new MacBooks and also new Windows products as well. And Microsoft has recently said, quote unquote, more people are switching from Macs to Surface than ever before. Um, and there's this great piece on The Verge this week basically talking about some actual numbers from Apple's recent earnings call. And they are still, uh, I guess, commanding the market there. And they're, But their boost this year is basically 1% in sales, which, uh, as they point out in the article, is unusual in a year when we've gotten new MacBook Pros for the first time in ever. Usually a new product release comes with a, a bigger bump than that. Is that correct, Christina? Yes and no. So it would be, but I think you have to compare the growth versus the general contraction in PC sales in general. So while it's true that you can make the argument that the growth that Apple saw for their Q1 2017, which was just released this week, was 1% year over year, uh, they did on a revenue side set a, a record quarter by a significant margin. That's partially because the new MacBook Pros are a lot more expensive. Um, so, so that's, that's, I mean, honestly, that, that's to be They really expected. are. They, they really are. are. You know, I mean, honestly, you don't have a MacBook Air anymore, really, you know, except the old models and, and, and your base model now starts $400 higher. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the 1% thing, I mean, I think that's a fair assessment to say that you might expect that a, that a brand new product had a update, like a, a big update would, would see a bigger drive in sales. I don't know, however, if that's complete accurate to say just because PC sales in general have contracted. So I, I don't know how much contracted of 1% in what definition, a, meaning that overall, if you were to look at PC sales of, of and, and this includes Apple, like just like laptop, desktops, Chromebook, whatever sales in general have decreased year over year for the last however many years, you know, uh, five, six, seven, eight years, like it, it's, it's been in decline. So if you look at the PC industry as a whole, including Apple and in that it's in decline. So if you compare, you know, uh, this time this year versus this time last year, um, less computers were sold. So the fact that you see an increase from one manufacturer um, goes against that. So that to me would, would in some ways discount a theory that says Apple hasn't sold as many as they could have, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. I do mean, we, I mean, I, I, I do think that, that, that it is notable to say, you know, Apple just released brand new MacBook Pros and, and Microsoft is claiming they've seen more switchers than ever before. Apple actually also said they're seeing more switchers from Windows than ever before. So who even knows? Yeah, um, that was going to be my second question, which is, did Microsoft also release their numbers? And can we glean, can we basically fact check them here no i mean we well we can i guess they've never released surface sales um specifically like like apple at least will break they won't break down models but they'll break down how many macs they sell in in, in at least in terms of, of units and then in terms of revenue so they you know that we sold they, they sold you know like seven point you know two billion dollars worth of macs and then it was like 5.1 you know um million units or whatever and um you know microsoft uh I believe that surfaces is, is categorized into hardware. I don't know if, if Xbox is categorized in that. It might be in a different area, but it, but there are a number of different products that are in that. 
I, I bet it's a different department. I yeah, I mean, it's no, probably it's differently. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I do all my personal saying, computing yeah. on my Xbox. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, I, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Know. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. just saying, like, there's not a line item in their earnings results that says we sold this many service books or this service, this many service pros. That said, it clearly, I mean, they 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 announced this when when the the new service um, uh, uh, book uh, came out, and and definitely when the the Surface Pro came out that. Because uh, they na- announced them literally the day before the MacBook Pro uh, Touch Bar, um, you know they they've said that they've seen a huge increase of of Mac users going to that side. And, and anecdotally, like not based on any sales things, but I, I've heard a number of people say, you know, I was looking at buying a new MacBook or a new Mac Pro or a new whatever, and I'm I'm looking at Windows. So I definitely think oh. they've probably seen something come to them, uh, but I don't know, like conclusively how many people that actually is because again we're hearing two things microsoft is saying we've seen more new mac or new service pro or new new service book owners mm-hmm. um coming from the mac than ever before but then apple is saying we see more mac users who are coming from windows than ever before both of those things can actually be true um that's true yeah people are just switching sides i I know it's (laughs) anecdotal but i've seen a lot more surface um you know devices out in the wild i was in new york this weekend and it i i saw a ton on amtrak and just everywhere i was going um but yeah i wanted to tell the reason i was really excited about this this topic this week is you know i um we got our tax refund uh this week so i had a rather large amount of money and um you know i'm rocking for my personal machine a 2013 maxed out retina macbook pro from that year i spent thirty two hundred dollars on it and i've been waiting 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 for apple to really update the graphics on it to to go buy a new one because you know it's four years old at this point right that's that's really it's time to start doing it so i go to the apple store like first thing i did is i went through you can't read like a if, if you do 3D stuff, like you've got to go to Ars Technica, right? And you've got to read the whole review totally. of it. Totally. You've got to go to Anantech and, and, and all that. Yeah. Stuff. yeah totally. Just really get deep. Just deep. <laughs> but like um, the truth is this particular MacBook, even though it's $3,200, if you get it with the configuration I want, CPU wise, it's simply not that much better. Uh, you know, than my 2013 model. It's barely an upgrade. Like if you look at the numbers there, graphically it's an upgrade, but I don't feel confident I'd be able to uh, run Final Fantasy 14 on it. And, you know, that's really, there are only like four games I want to play on my Mac, like Final mm-hmm. Fantasy 14 and Dota. Totally. So it's like, you know, honestly, guys, like I really mean this. I went to the Apple store and I had enough money in my bank account to walk out of there with any machine. And I started messing with it. And I'm just like, there's not a value here. Like, it's not significantly lighter. The screen doesn't look that much better. You know, touch bar, I do think is a gimmick. I'm sorry. Totally. And, you know, I went over to the Microsoft store. And, like, the Microsoft store at Burlington Mall used to be a joke. Like, you would walk past (laughs) it and there'd be, like, one person there. And it was really sad. And they'd have, like, 3D printers trying to get people to come inside. Uh, but it was absolutely hopping this time. 
uh, and you go in and I got to actually play with the surface studio. It is an amazing freaking machine. Uh, If I were doing more art and not running for Congress right now, I would absolutely have bought that machine. It's sexy. It's fast. It's responsive. It feels like Apple quality hardware and the entire surface line of MacBooks, like uh, of surface books rather. It's a really good product, but I walked away from that and I'm like, it's here I am. I'm rocking a four-year-old uh, MacBook. And I'm going to wait another year and hope they give me a reason next year to buy it because it's just not here, which is why I went today and I bought an Audi TT with that same amount of money <laughs> instead. So I'm rocking an Audi TT that I got for $5,000 today. So Yeah, I was going to say, so, so rather than getting either a Service Book or a Service Pro or a Service Studio or a MacBook... Yeah, you, you, you got a freaking car. I, got a, I bought a I bought a sports car. That's freaking ridiculous. So. Yeah, it's really it's disappointing to me because maybe this is a lot of nostalgia on my part for the computer that I've had for barely a year. But the MacBook that the MacBook Pro that I have, I feel is the perfect machine. It's just that its guts are also outdated at this point. Yeah, and I don't know. It, it sucks that we have to compromise on on what we're upgrading to next that just seems no. disappointing am i am i entitled am i spoiled i know no, i am I because i'm under 30 but i mean you are but that's just the nature of people no you're <laughs> we all are you, I, i'm entitled and spoiled too no i, I don't yep. think you're wrong i mean i think that, that that look we've talked about this before i think that the current crop of, of macbook pros with the touch bar even if you take the the gimmick of the touch bar aside have left some people you know kind of wanting and there's certainly there's been some rumors that they're going to release an updated version that might have you know the the the, the kb lake processors and 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 some you know um differences in uh, in in the specs that will make things a little more compelling um you know in a couple of months and that might make things better um but i think that for a lot of people yeah i mean i think that we had in our minds kind of this vision of what we wanted our next Mac to be and what we've received hasn't been that. And, and to Apple's credit, what they're saying is, you know, I was listening to the earnings call yesterday is they had a record quarter for Macs. Now, uh, you know, it was only 1% more sold, but if you looked at their revenue, that was up, I think like 10 or 11%. So for them, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're making money hand over fist. So mm-hmm. There's not really necessarily. I mean, they're they're being rewarded for for what what the new MacBook is, and and so I. What do you think is bringing people there? Because the you mentioned also that the machines are more expensive, and if we take Apple, what Apple says, the people more people are coming over than they've seen before. What do you think it is that is bringing them to the MacBook Pro at this exact moment in history? That's a good question. I would think it would be a couple of things. I would think one, it would be kind of the the legacy, kind of the uh, cachet value of having a Mac versus having a, a, a PC. And, and in certain markets, maybe not the United States, where you go to any coffee shop or or you know a college campus or anywhere else, and you see a sea of Apple logos, mm-hmm. um, there is a, a certain uh, value when you see an Apple logo still over anything else. So I think there might be that. Um, and then I think for some people too, it might be a matter of if it's been a number of years since they bought a new computer and they're looking for it, they might be able to be convinced. But I think that that's a very good question. I think that's a difficult question for Apple to have to answer is why would you choose a Mac today? And and it's one that, I mean, I, I'll, I'll be candid with you guys. Uh, as someone that I work with, um, 
at, at the Gizmodo Media Group, you know, I wrote an article um, a while back about, you know, the best, you know, 13 inch laptop you can buy. And, and this person reached out to me and said, you know, I read this and, and I, I need, I've had a MacBook Air, you know, for six or for six years, I need a new computer. Um, I've been looking at getting another Mac, but they're very expensive. So I'm looking at maybe getting a Windows machine and I give him some, you know, advice. He wasn't really comfortable going with Windows, but he didn't have the money to spend on a new MacBook Pro, even the one without the touch bar. So he wound up buying an, uh, a MacBook Air, the most recently released MacBook Air, which I guess was updated in 2015. That made me feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. Honestly, that, that someone yep. spent, you know, $1,000 on a MacBook Air. And, and yeah. I had to say, I was like, look, if you really want a Mac because you'd like that software experience, which in my opinion is superior, um, this is not a bad machine. I, what makes me feel, feel sick to my stomach about it is I'm going, you're, you're paying more than the specs are worth, you know, yeah. uh, but by a significant margin, like I, I said this in, in a, for six colors and kind of their, their state of the Mac thing. I was like, it used to always be able to say that if you were to compare spec for spec, uh, a Mac with a PC, you could basically do as well. If you were to kind of price them out, you can't say that anymore. And, and that's a problem. And so, yeah, when you're asking who's switching from windows to Mac now, I don't know. I mean, I, I have to assume that in certain markets, there are people who, value kind of the software benefits and, and, and the, the brand value over, over windows, or maybe they're using lower end windows machines. But I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, playing games, Bree. I, um, I'm going to be reviewing a, a new Alienware laptop that has, oh, which um, one? Which uh, one? The, the brand new 13 inch that has the, you know, the, the, the 1060 with six gigs of, of video uh, memory, you know, in, in a 13 inch, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's the mobile 1060, but still, um, you know, a, a 13 inch laptop that now it's a beast. It's a very heavy laptop <laughs> um, and, and it's not a small laptop, but, but, you know, but it's good enough to, to, I'll be able to connect an Oculus to it and, and do VR with it. And, and, um, and it's when it's completely spec'd out, it's two thousand dollars, and and that's with sixteen gigs of RAM and a five hundred gigabyte SSD and a six gigabyte video card and a twenty five sixty by fourteen forty screen and and all these other things. I mean, that's not going to be a portable solution for a lot of professionals. But the fact is, that's a thing that sells on the market and that it exists. You know, HP yeah. just released a new fifteen inch all in one kind of convertible Spectre laptop that is is totally spec'd out. I mean, there are a lot of options for people who aren't completely, you know, dependent on the Mac ecosystem out there um, and beyond just the surface and, and, and the surface book uh, that are interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think the basic MacBook is, uh, you know, it's a good value. Like I don't regret buying, I think I spent 1300 on yeah. it or maybe it was 1600. It's a good value for most totally. people. Um, you know, it's super thin. I throw it in my purse everywhere I go and I've got a MacBook with me, which is just, you know, when it's sad that so much more of my job is responding to email yeah. and, you know, stuff these days, but that's just, you know, it's the nature of what I do. What I think Apple's problem is, is, you know, they've, they've got to, they're really missing a machine that's hitting a price point that brings power to users, right? Because totally. they have these gorgeous commercials and they'll talk about Final Cut and that's great. But if you really use Final Cut a lot, and I do, you know how much it eats up hard drive space, right? Really? So are they expanding like the SSD sizes on their MacBooks or selling it at a reasonable price? No. 
they're not. And it's just like, we all want Apple to win, or at least I do. But it's really, really hard these days to not look over at the window ecosystem. Because like, totally. I was looking, I did the chatter today. And, you know, like they're sponsored by HP. They had some drop dead sexy laptops there, just like stunningly sexy that looked as as good or better than a MacBook in many ways. And I just think that um, I think Apple's got to get a little bit more serious about working with Intel and getting, you know, tech like KB Lake into it sooner. Mm -hmm. And they just need to update it quicker. Like they, they need to get, it's a structural problem at Apple. They need to get a team and that's all they're doing is thinking about the Mac all day long mm-hmm. and, and really getting it out there. And maybe it's doing- not like a whole overhaul like this MacBook Pro is. Maybe it's just, here's the new processor. Here's a bigger hard drive. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think for a lot of people, I mean, we wanted to redesign MacBook Pro because it had been, been a bajillion years. But I think a lot of people would have been completely content if it had the exact same hardware design and had modern processors. I mean, that was the thing that we were all kind of, you know, about was the fact that, that it was still Haswell um, because Skylake was so late. And and so, you know, the fact that the one that was released in 2015 still had Haswell on it. I mean, that was the that was the part that you, you were kind of going, oh, my God, I can't buy this. I'm not going to buy this. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, you're, you're dead on Brie. Like we, we want stuff that has, feels like it has the modern stuff in it. And, and right now, um, I've talked to a, I mean, again, this is completely anecdotal and, and it kind of goes against what their sales are saying, but I've talked to plenty of longtime Mac people who are software developers who originally were kind of enticed to go to the Mac because of its, its Unix friendliness and the fact that it was kind of like, a Linux laptop, but had better, you know, um, software and, and, and had a full, you know, Unix stack and, and had good hardware and other stuff. And, and, you know, this was probably, you know, a decade uh, plus ago that you kind of started to see that shift in, in software developers moving from Windows machines to Mac machines. And and now I've kind of started to see, it started a little bit be- before the new MacBooks, but certainly the new MacBooks has exasperated it where people are going, well, actually, I'm going to look at, at Windows laptops and look at my options there, because guess what, you know, Ubuntu can run um, uh, those tools can run kind of natively in Windows 10 and there's a, a terminal app, you know, in Windows 10, uh, mm-hmm. a shell that, that works kind of the same way and has been in my same apps and things like that. And, and Linux support is getting better on these things. And, and I, I don't know how huge of a market that is for Apple. I don't want to overstate that. Um, but it, it certainly, um, I think is not a good thing when you start seeing people like Brie, who rather than spending $3,200 on a new MacBook is putting the money towards an automobile. It almost seems like they need to go back to that, what I was saying earlier with the, what is the value statement of this product and hone into that and make sure that that's consistent, that 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 end result product is consistent with also the message that they're putting out there about who the product is for and who's going to be using it. Because I think with this machine in particular, there's kind of a disconnect. Yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Movement Watches. Movement was founded on the belief that style should not break the bank. The goal of Movement Watches is to change the way that you think about fashion by offering beautiful minimalist watches at a normal price that won't make you scream and cry. They've sold over 500,000 watches to customers in over 160 countries in the world, which is a a non-trivial number. 
and they've solidified it solidified itself as the world's fastest growing watch company what that's freaking awesome <sighs> movement watches was started by two broke college kids who wanted to have nice watches but not again you know weep tears of blood as you shed dollar bills like skin like a lizard skin i don't know i imagine that that's what spending vast amounts of money is like these watches start at just 95 dollars, which is super cheap compared to the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars that you could pay at other watch stores they sell direct online which again cuts out a lot of that markup and the watches are freaking gorgeous uh as i have discussed before so i have the oh my gosh i just forgot the name of it i think it's the abbott kinney watch so it's got a leather band a, a pale white leather band and then a gold watch and then a kind of opalescent silvery face which is super incredibly beautiful. I love it. Um, and I love the way it feels. And I also love the box that it came in, which <laughs> I, I've just been like hoarding it in the month since I've gotten the watch. And I finally just realized that if I tear out the foam inside it, like the velvet that the watch came in, it's the perfect size to keep pens in. So basically... <laughs> I have a fancy pen box now. And the bo- I'm, I'm not, if I may describe this box wonderfully, it's like kind of leathery feeling. It's a really good feeling box. It's the kind of box where if you throw it away, you're like, God, that's a shame. Anyway, the watch is also great and functional. <laughs> I have not had a problem with the watch. Uh, it's gorgeous. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it too, especially when I post my pictures on my Instagram. Um, it is a gorgeous and adult looking watch Uh, and they have a lot of other kinds too if you want to check out some of their bands they have a lot of ones for men with tan leather bands or black bands or even the metal bands with the watch links as it were i don't really know what those are called um and then the the very closely woven metal bands uh they're really pretty i like the brown leather the most i think so they have a brown leather one with a rose gold uh watch and a black face and that looks really freaking good it does. It's very pretty. That's I'm looking at it on the website gorgeous. right now. It's nice. And they have one called Gunmetal. So if you really, if you want to be stylish, color. but you don't want people to know that you care, <laughs> tell them this is my Gunmetal watch. And they'll be like, oh, snap. It is a really nice looking watch, though. Ugh. You should go to movementwatches.com slash rocket. That is M-V-M-T watches.com slash rocket. Check out those watches. Uh, you'll get 15% off with free shipping and free returns if you if you go to that place. The offer code is applied automatically. So, yeah, you definitely want to do that. Again, that is movementwatches.com slash rocket. Thank you so much, Movement, for sponsoring the show and supporting Relay FM. Yeah. yeah Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Rock. Telling time. Telling time. That's the uh, copyrighted original movement theme song. Telling time. That's how it goes. AirPod condoms. What? That's not what they're officially called. <laughs> oh, God. Christina, yeah. you wrote a ridiculous and useful piece. Of course I did. Of course I did. File yep. two. No one needs this. Mm-hmm. AirPods, Apple. Why? So there's a case that a company is making for your AirPods case so that you can turn it into a keychain so that you can wear it on the outside of your body where people can take it from you. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, yeah, so it, this is a weird thing. Even before the AirPods came out, um, 
there were a bunch of accessories that were kind of there was like a whole secondary market of accessories for the AirPods. Like you had a lot of people who created, um, you know, wires to hold your AirPods in with the whole point of them is that they're fully wireless. And people were like, Oh, we're going to put things on the end of them to you know keep them on. So they don't fall out of your ears and make them just like, you know, beat sex. And it's like, well, then let me just get, you know, power beats. Like if, if this is what I'm going to do, why don't I literally, why don't I just get power beats threes that have the same wireless technology and better battery life. Um, so, uh, and, and then we even saw uh, people coming up with stickers to put on the case to make them look like a floss dispenser so that people won't steal them. Um, but this was one that I thought was really kind of ridiculous. And this is something that it, it's selling this for $20. It's it's uh, taking pre-orders now. And it's basically a little rubberized case to hold your AirPods case. And then it has a keychain on it so it could clip to, you know, your keychain or clip to it outside of a, a backpack as they show in their um, uh, photos. And the idea is that you never have to lose your 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 AirPods case. And we get pitched a lot of stuff, and most of it we don't write. Uh, but this was something <laughs> that was just kind of ridiculous that I was kind of like, "This is just no one needs this." You saw this, and you're like, "I'm taking the time." You're telling people to send you bad ideas, so that's oh, how you get it gets meta. You are. You, I am. Bad I, ideas. God, yeah. I am. And honestly, if you have a really <laughs> terrible idea, I'm I'm not even gonna lie. Um, yeah. Sometimes it can make make for a good article. No, this was just so funny because there are certain kinds types of condoms for Apple devices that make sense. The uh, new Apple TV, uh, hat, the remote, is I love it, um, except I always hold it backwards, and so I'm always <laughs> I, I grab it and I'm like using it, and I'm like you know you, the, the the top and the bottom kind of feel the same. So you find you wind up like like moving the stuff around and like opening up a, a, an app that you didn't mean or, or fast forwarding when you didn't mean to because it feels the same whether it's on the top or the bottom and, and there's a touch screen on it. So people have created uh, little caddies or, or or condoms um for the remote to make it easier to fit in the hand and, and get lost less easily. Okay, that's fair. Like that's maybe silly and maybe unnecessary and maybe you should just like learn to hold your remote better, but that at least sort of makes sense. This, though, especially the way that uh, they showed it off in the photos, where it was, like, clipped to the outside of a backpack with the case, like, visible. Like, maybe this is just me living in New York, but, like, if I was walking by someone and I saw, like, their AirPod case in their backpack, <laughs> I wouldn't care if the AirPods were in it or not. I would swipe that. You know what I mean? Or maybe, I, I, maybe I wouldn't, but I would expect for my, my own stuff to get stolen. I would genuinely expect my, my case to get stolen that way. Yeah. yeah, and then when the police came, you would just be like, look, I'm Christina Warren. Come on. Like, I can steal whatever I want. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I would just be like, dude, it was in a con just asking me to grab it out of their bag. Yeah. What, yeah. what What do you want from me? What do you no want? No jury would convict you. Does the I, I case mean, still charge when it's in that little rubber thing? That's a good question. I have no idea. I mean, I would assume and I would hope that the silicon case would still have a hole in the bottom for the lightning connector. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea. They don't really. Sh- I got. I'm going they, to their website. Go to the website. They don't show a 3D thing of that. So I'm reminding no idea. myself what the Siri remote looks like. Uh, I stumbled on an Apple's website. Obviously, the Siri remote has one star rating, and the Apple remote has one oh. and a half. Uh, Who's reviewing these products? That's. I don't know, but that's sad. I like the Siri remote um, a lot, but but I do know that really? like the bottom. I like it. I do. But the bottom and the top feel the same. So I understand why people create like a condom for that so that you know where the bottom and the top is. I get that completely. It does. It does have a hole in the bottom so you can charge your case. 
Okay. See, Christina, you don't have pets though. No, and that's, that is the problem with the Apple remote. It's like, you'll put it down on the couch next to you and then the dog will jump on it. And then <laughs> like, I'm just trying to watch Dexter murder somebody. And then <laughs> thanks rocket. You're like turning it all the way back. Like that no, happens a hundred times. Yeah. Oh, I, bet, I bet. And you're like, I just wanted to see that. I didn't want to see Deb go through her, her, her BS again. Right. I, I do love Deb. No one wants to see that. I mean, I love Deb, but also like she could be a bit much anyway. Yeah. 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 yeah no, you're right. Simone. There is a, 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 a thing on the bottom for char. So that's fine. That disaster averted right there does not make it worth $20. Probably. I don't know if you use this product, uh, let us know, comment, comment on the episode and let us know what exactly your use case is for this yeah, thing. Seriously, I, I would love to know genuinely, like they offered to send me when I was like, no, that's okay. Um, I have to, I'm so offended by the idea of putting a wire on your AirPods. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I like my wired headphones, but oh my God, commit. Headphones. If you're going to go AirPod, commit. God. Agreed. Agreed. Like completely. Yeah. Like honestly, that, that's what, this is, is silly and unnecessary, but I at least find whatever. I, it doesn't offend me. I'm with you. The people who create the wires for the AirPods those are the people that offend me. I'm like, no, seriously, just buy power beats. And they it's don't even hard. like the, the point of uh, the great thing about wired headphones is that they're connected to the phone. So if they fall out, they're attached to something that's in your pocket. These just connect the headphones to each other, which I guess would make them easier to pick up. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe these are bought by people who have the just have chronically impossible ears. So the AirPods fall out of. Okay, I don't so, know. So, so, what? Well, which in that case, very simple solution. Do not buy AirPods. Maybe they, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe they made a mistake, no. and they they're just trying to fix it. Christina, I mean, I mean, maybe Simone, but they could just return them. I'm just saying, if AirPods don't fit in your ears, and that's a valid complaint, and they're certainly not going to fit in everyone's ears, then you don't have to buy them. But the solution is not to like add a wire to them. Like honestly, if that's your issue, buy Power Beats, buy Beats X. Like there are other solutions. There are other types of headphones for you that you can use. Jabra has yep. some. Like you you have a jillion different options. You do not need AirPods because the whole point of AirPods is that they are fully wireless. I don't know. So well and they pair really well with the W one yes. technology. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so well. like, yeah. Um I don't know. I think the power beats are pretty good. I still can't buy AirPods, Christina. I, know, I can't buy an NES classic. That is backdated, and AirPods are still six weeks to shipping. And okay. I went to the everything Apple store is disappointing. I still can't get it. I can't get anything, Simone. Uh, but you got a there. car. Great. I got great. a car. You got a, a car, car, which is great. There is a website yes. called airpods.isinstock.com. Oh, And oh, what oh. it does, you have to register. You have to get them an email. Give them a throwaway if you don't want to give them your real thing. You can set up alerts for stores near you, including Best Buys, including Walmarts, including Apple stores. They will email you as soon as they are in stock because some of these stores, Target stores, AT&T stores, Verizon stores, some of these stores will get them in like on a daily basis, but it's not like readily apparent. So you can find out locally where they are. And so Ooh. so it's airpods.isinstock.com. And, putting uh, it in the I show have a notes. Car to drive there and get it. Totally, <laughs> totally. I'm, I'm, Simone, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send oh, I got you it the, already. Got it. Okay, great. You're gonna yeah, speed so, there in your Audi. Yeah, burn and rubber all the way. I, look, I know the Volkswagen did bad, bad things with the whole, you know, like Dieselgate thing, but like they are my favorite car company, so I very much approve of your Audi purchase. Yes, awesome. 
It's so gorgeous. Oh my god. I'm so excited for you. What are you now? What are you gonna name it again? I don't know yet. I've got to think about it. You Maybe had some I should name compelling choices. Too. I can name my car rocket, my dog rocket, and this podcast rocket. So I just don't have to think about things. Rock. It'll rocket be great. car. Rocket. You should get rocket Frank to change his name to Rocket. Oh, to yeah. be honest, good. yeah, good yeah. rocket husband. That's good. Yep. Just, just everything. Just everything. And when I'm elected congressman, I can change the name of the district eight to Rocket. <laughs> rocket district rocket. I love That's it. My first That's- piece of legislature. <laughs> Speaking of, what are you up to this week, Bree? I'm speaking at Harvard. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, That's whatever. Yes, girl. Woo. Uh, yeah, I'm girl. speaking for Harvard and running uh, for Congress and doing lots of media and asking people for money, which is a big part of running for Congress. So and I'm trying to, we're trying to figure out some volunteer structure because something we're running into is like Gamergate left me really, I don't want to say paranoid, but very careful about who I let into, you know, my private life, right? Because there's this awareness, anything you say or do could end up on the internet, right? What is very much at odds at that is there are so many people out there that really, really, really are upset, and they really want to do something constructive with those emotions, So I'm trying to figure out how to like fix these two competing interests and give people like work to do on my campaign, but also like protect like, you know, discussions behind closed doors, right? Because, you know, you need to be able to have frank discussions. So uh, we're working on that this week. We're going to be, you know, pulling, um, basically bringing more people and expanding staff on my campaign, which is exciting. Nice. I wish you luck with vetting people. That sounds like, I know just from doing regular job interviews, that is not a fun task. It is incredibly time consuming. And I imagine it is not easier. It is. And just to really be honest with you, Simone, um, I'm just going to say this. The I had some negative experiences with the Hillary Clinton campaign because they were hyper controlling about that right like they're really worried like this comes from the way hillary was treated right so it's understandable but there's also like you want people that come in and want to like do something constructive with the democracy to feel empowered you want to be a good experience for them so it's it's a hard line to find right where you are vetting people but you're also not like telling people no and turning off voters and telling them they're not good enough to help, right? So yeah. it's difficult. Ugh. Christina, what are you up to? Um, so I'm just, you know, doing some some writings for Gizmodo. I'm reviewing a couple of laptops um that will be out uh next week and doing some other just kind of uh writings about various stuff. So just some projects. Sweet. I'm pretty much the same boat, pitching, 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 pitch, pitching new series, trying to get a lot of things off the off the ground at the start of 2017 so that I can have a, a wonderful, busy and productive year, which is super exciting. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much what I'm up to. Oh, we did we did the big office move. We are now Yay. downtown. Oh, did you? I it's fantastic. Wow, it's Wait, I you guys, okay, so you guys before were near Bryant Park, right? Yes. And so where are you now? Uh, we're in the, like, Stone Street Historical District. Okay. In Friday. Friday, okay. Yeah, which is super freaking cool. I had not been down there yet, so 
I'm quite liking all the old places. There's a restaurant down there that invented baked Alaska and was the first Ooh. private dining establishment in the United States and was the first place to have tablecloths and also was the first American restaurant to use the French word restaurant. So uh, I learned a lot from their website, which I spent a, a, a large amount of time on this week. I was going to say, is this all the same restaurant? So the, the baked Alaska restaurant was also yes. the same first tablecloth yes. restaurant, first yes. restaurant, which amazing. What's it called? It's called Delmonico's. Um, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. They have It's a steak place. They've literally been around I've, since I've, 1837 i think I is, say, is either 1873 or 1837 grant and i had steak there once oh. for some for something it was good um yeah grant and i i don't remember what it was the birthday anniversary or something but yeah we we had Freaking steak there awesome yeah. 1837 confirmed so i have to tell you guys like after spending the last three days in new york there is something about that city it is i don't know it just just being there puts you in overdrive like you get a lot of stuff accomplished just Mm -hmm. being in that city and part of it is just because like everything is there and like you know like you've got meetings and people calling you to to do it but there's just i tell you is i'm leaving new york right now and i just i feel so energized for my last time there like does that last when you live there i mean is this what you feel like all the time just like hyper empowered i find it i like the energy of it i I do too get happy a lot just when i step out my door and i look at the cool buildings around me but i mean i've not yet lived here a year so (laughs) I mean, I've been here. It'll be it'll be six years in April, and so I'm still oh. you know baby by by some standards. I mean, yeah, definitely. I, I feel you feel energized by the city and by the stuff, and especially when you go to certain places. Like I was at the Museum of Modern Art today, and I, I there's just something cool about that. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, at least me, like you just at least, I kind of get j- not jaded by it, but kind of like complacent about certain things. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the same places I always go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I want to go to the same places I always go. I'm excited. Now I have a bar that I can go to all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, no, and now, no, well, I mean, you're, you're in Fidei, so you're, we're not super close to one another, but we're closer than we were when you were in Bryant Park because I'm, Mm. I'm in Union Square, so we can meet up for drinks maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, right. We should do that for the second time ever. (laughs) Make me very excited since you live like on the Upper West Side and, and I live in Brooklyn. So, we, we're we, the Romeo and Juliet of we really uh, are. 2017. We really are. Yeah, there's definitely we, no other people that exemplify that more than you and I, who both no, work in no, media and none, who live uh, within a few miles of each other. No, no, none at all. I mean, but look, Beyonce is having twins and oh. we have um, drinks to discuss it. Honestly, that should have been our dessert, but it's fine. It's over now. Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cow. Heck yeah, Christina. Film underscore girl. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and my videos at youtube.com slash polygon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Do it. This episode is terminated. Terminated? Terminated. Terminated. Terminated.